0: Will tomorrow ever come? Huh. Hmm, why can a fish get seasick? I have a question. Why does the Easter Bunny bring eggs if rabbits do not lay eggs? The opposite of opposite the same or opposite? What? Why is a pizza box square when a pizza is round? If the truth is different for each of us, how can we call it the truth? Well, if you have your Bible with you, let me encourage you to hold it up right now and repeat after me what we as a church family believe about this book. This is God's Word. It is a perfect treasure of divine instruction. It has God for its author, salvation for its end, and truth without any mixture of error for its matter. It is the supreme source of truth for what we believe and how we live. Now, and open up your copy of God's Word with me to three passages of Scripture. The first one is 1 Corinthians chapter 11, New Testament book, about midway through the New Testament. 1 Corinthians is one of the, the books that Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, one of the letters that he wrote to the churches that he established. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And then we're going to turn three chapters into 1 Corinthians to chapter 14. 1 Corinthians 11, 1 Corinthians 14. And and these chapters, these these verses all have to do with worship and order in worship and how the church of Jesus Christ is to worship. And then once you get those two passages, I want you to turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 2. So 1 Corinthians chapter 11, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, and then 1 Timothy chapter 2. Mrs. Joanne Broom was texting with my wife Sherry yesterday and she told her that that in their life group they were going to be studying the story of of David and Abigail um, this morning. And then she said this, she said, I know Rocky's sermon tomorrow, just want him to know that my ambition nor desire was and is not to be a preacher, but it is to be an Abigail with God's help. I want to thank Miss Joanne. She is one of our dear saints. And to be an Abigail is a, a great thing to seek, to strive to be for every single woman. Some of you who are new to the Northside family may not know that we are a part of a family of churches called Great Commission Churches or, or Southern Baptist Churches churches as we've been called since 1845. There are over 50,000 Great Commission churches scattered throughout the United States with one aim, to share the gospel of Jesus in our communities, to to share the good news of Jesus all around the world. And together we support over 3,500 missionaries and Foreign countries. We support over 6,000 missionaries, church planners, and chaplains all across North America. And what unites us is our common mission, the Great Commission. We want to see the world come to faith in Jesus and our common beliefs, which are communicated in a statement called the Baptist Faith and Message. Now, the Baptist Faith and Message has always been rooted in Scripture, because we believe that the Bible, God's Word, is our final and ultimate authority in everything. One of the sayings that we've had throughout the years is that we have no creed but the Bible. In other words, the only thing that governs and guides and directs us as a church is the Bible, God's Word. One of the sections in the Baptist faith and message has to do with the church. And one statement in that section on the church says this. It says, while both men and women are gifted for service in the church, the office of pastor, elder, overseer is limited to men as qualified by Scripture. Well, that belief and what many felt was a breaking with that belief led to several of our churches being disfellowship from our family of churches in, in June of 2023. And as you can imagine, that led to a lot of publicity in the secular press, and it led to a lot of questions from, from a lot of different people, including people in our very own church. And so today, as we wrap up this series called Q&A— Your questions, God's answers, the Bible's answers, we're going to try to answer a question that came in three different ways. But the question is basically this, what does the Bible say about women pastors? And we're going to focus on three passages, 1 Corinthians 11, 1 Corinthians 14, and 1 Timothy 2, and we're going to let God's word answer that question. Now, let's begin with 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. Follow along as I read. It says, And you should imitate me just as I imitate Christ. I am so glad that you always keep me in your thoughts and that you are following the teachings I passed on to you. But there is one thing I want you to know. The head of every man is Christ. The head of woman is man. And the head of Christ is God. A man dishonors his head, If he covers his head while praying or prophesying. But a woman dishonors her head if she prays or prophesies without a covering on her head. For this is the same as shaving her head. Yes, if she refuses to wear a head covering, she should cut off all her hair. But since it is a shameful thing for a woman to have her hair cut or her head shaved, she should wear a covering. A man should not wear anything on his head when worshiping. For man is made in God's image and reflects God's glory, and woman reflects man's glory. For the first man didn't come from woman, but the first woman came from man, and man was not made for woman, but woman was made for man. For this reason, and because the angels are watching, a woman should wear a covering on her head to show she is under authority. But among the Lord's people, women are not independent of men, and men are not independent of women. For although the first woman came from man, every other man was born from a woman and everything comes from God Judge for yourselves. Is it right for a woman to pray to God in public without covering her head? Isn't it obvious that it's disgraceful for a man to have long hair? And is it long hair a woman's pride and joy? For it has been given to her as a covering. But if anyone wants to argue about this, I simply say that we have no other custom than this, and neither do God's other churches. Now, wow. Do you feel the tension in the room? I mean, even as I read that passage of Scripture, it seems like our blood pressure goes up. I mean, what does it mean? What is God saying there? well the first thing I want you to notice is what Paul said to the Corinthians he said that what I am telling you is the same thing that I am telling every church in other words Paul was saying this wasn't just a Corinthian thing this is something that was to be followed by all of the churches now quickly let me just give you a synopsis of what Paul was saying he's beginning by telling us that God has established an order that is to be followed in all of creation. And though this order has been abused by some, and though this order has been ignored by others, it doesn't change the fact that God has established order in his creation. Then Paul tells us that there is to be a distinction that is made between men and women. And one of the ways that the distinction is seen is in the covering of their head and, and their hair. But whatever Paul is saying, when he says this, what you need to hear is this. Paul says, when a woman prays, when a woman prophesies, she is to have her head covered. And so the apostle Paul is saying here that a woman in the church in Corinth could pray, a woman in the church in Corinth could prophesy, but when she did, she had to have her head covered. Now, what is all this head covering stuff? Well, in Jesus' day, in Paul's day, and in the Middle East even today, a head covering for a woman is a sign of modesty. It is a a symbol of submission to authority. Evidently, there were some women in Corinth who were enjoying their newfound freedom in Christ a little too much. And because of that, they were beginning to act like the non-Christian women, specifically some women who were temple prostitutes these temple prostitutes would dress in scantly scantily clad clothing they would they would shave their heads and evidently there were some women in Corinth that were doing the exact same thing and the Apostle Paul you should said you should not do this now in regard to the length of hair Paul is simply telling us that there needs to be a distinction between men and women and unfortunately In an immoral society, there were some in the church that were even trying to break those barriers. Men were acting like women, and women were acting like men. So what is Paul saying in 1 Corinthians 11? He's saying that God has given an order that is to run through all of creation. God has distinguished between men and women. We're different. And then God says that as we act, Differently in society, we are to honor and praise God. Now, let's move on to 1st Corinthians 14, verse 33 and following. Now, 1 Corinthians 14, 33 is at the end of 1 Corinthians 14. And in this chapter, Paul is dealing with spiritual gifts and he's talking about order in worship and he's dealing with, with all of the different kinds of gifts and he tells us that, that every single Christian has been gifted by God with unique spiritual gifts. And he talks about those various gifts. And, and then he tells us about how you're to exercise those gifts in worship. And he talks about words of knowledge. He talks about prophecy. He talks about speaking in tongues. And he, he gives us some, some conditions to be used in each of those things. And then he tells us after people prophesy that what they say is to be evaluated, it is to be judged. And then after the Apostle Paul says this, this is what we read in verse 33. Listen to what he says. For God is not a God of disorder, but of peace, as in all the meetings of God's holy people. Women should be silent during the church meetings. It is not proper for them to speak. They should be submissive, just as the law says. If they have any questions, they should ask their husbands at home. For it is improper for women to speak in church meetings. Or do you think God's word originated with you Corinthians? Or are you the only ones to whom it was given? If you claim to be a prophet or think you're a spiritual, you should recognize that what I'm saying is a command from the Lord himself. But if you do not recognize this, you yourself will not be recognized. So my dear brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy. Don't forbid speaking in tongues. But be sure that everything is done properly. And in order. Now, again, this is a difficult passage, but what I want you to hear is what the Apostle Paul says in verses 36 and 38. He says, do you think God's word originated with you Corinthians? In other words, do you think that what I am telling you was just for you? And then he says, you should recognize that what I'm saying is a command from the Lord himself. In other words, what Paul is saying here is that the admonition I'm giving you about order in worship is not my opinion. It's not my idea of how worship should go. But this is a word that comes from the Lord himself. Now, I want to remind you, the Apostle Paul had already said that women could pray and prophesy in the church but only if their head was covered. And he told us that that was to be under authority. So women could pray or prophesy as long as they were under the proper authority. But here he's telling us twice women are to be silent in church. Now, that can only mean one of two things. It either means that when the corporate church comes together, like we are right now, a woman should never say a word or it means that there are certain instances in worship in which a woman should not say a word. Now, since the Apostle Paul has already told us that women can pray, he's already told us that women can prophesy, it doesn't seem to say that women can never speak up in corporate worship because he's already said they can. And so what he evidently is talking about is something very specific here. And one of the things he's talking about is where it says that once a prophecy is given, that prophecy is to be evaluated. That prophecy is to be judged. You see, prophecy in biblical times was different than it is today. When we think about prophecy today, we think about a preacher delivering a message from God. But in biblical days, a prophecy was much more than that. A prophecy was a direct word from God. So much so that in the Old Testament, if someone claimed to be a prophet and claimed to have a word from God and that word was not fulfilled 100% true, that person was to be put to death. You see, claiming to be a prophet, claiming to give a word from God and then it not be true was a big deal. And so when the church came together, before we have the New Testament, remember the New Testament hadn't been completed then. When the church came together and people were giving these words of prophecy, they were speaking for God. When I stand up and I say, thus saith the Lord, you better believe I'm quoting Scripture. When I'm speaking, I will tell you like the Apostle Paul told the Bereans, examine for yourself in God's Word whether what I say is true or not because listen I'm not I'm not going to ever say that everything that I say is true without error I make mistakes I can be wrong and so I am not a prophet in a biblical sense but so these prophets were giving messages from God and then the Bible says that those prophetic messages were then evaluated. They were judged. It was right after Paul said this that he told us that women are to be silent. And what is Paul saying? I believe what Paul was saying we're going to see as we look at First Timothy chapter 2. And that is that it's not a woman's place to lead in the church. It's not a woman's place to evaluate prophetic truth that's the place of the elders the bishops the overseers the pastors in the church and so the apostle paul is saying when it comes to evaluating whether this word is true or not that's not the place of a woman if she has questions she is to ask those questions in another setting paul mentions the home when you ask those questions of your husband if a lady doesn't have a husband, she should be asking the elders of the church. But it's not a woman's place to, to refute what a prophet says. That's the place of an elder or a bishop or an overseer. And let's move on to 1 Timothy chapter 2, beginning in verse 8. The Apostle Paul says here, In every place of worship, I want men to pray with holy hands lifted up to God, Free from anger and controversy. That word controversy literally means dissension. It means argumentative. So I want men to, when they pray, to be holy. I want them to be free from anger. I want them to not have a divisive spirit. And I want women to be modest in their appearance. They should wear decent and appropriate clothing, not draw attention to themselves by the way they fix their hair or by wearing gold or pearls or expensive clothes. For women who claim to be devoted to God should make themselves attractive by the good things they do. Women should learn quietly and submissively. I do not let women teach men or have authority over them. Let them listen quietly. For God made Adam first and afterward he made Eve. And it was not Adam who was deceived by Satan. The woman was deceived and sin was the result. But women will be saved through childbearing assuming they continue to live in faith, love, holiness and modesty. This is a trustworthy saying. If someone aspires to be an elder, he desires an honorable position. So an elder must be a man whose life is above reproach. He must be faithful to his wife. Now, let me remind you as we unpack this passage for just a minute that in the Bible, there were not chapter divisions. The chapters were given to us by the translators so that it would be easier for us to understand the subjects that are being addressed. But when Paul wrote a letter to these churches, he didn't write chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3. So 1 Timothy chapter 3 verse 1 is simply a continuation of what he says in chapter 2. And in that context where the apostle Paul says, I do not permit, I do not allow a woman to teach or have authority over a man, in that context, he goes on and he gives us the qualifications for an elder. And he tells us that an elder must be a man whose life is above reproach. He must be faithful to his wife. And he goes on and it gives the other qualifications there. Now, there are several things there. First of all, we are told that men as they worship are to have holiness in their life. They are not to be filled with anger and divisiveness. And it says that women are to be modest with peaceable Quiet spirits. Then he tells us that women are not allowed to exercise authority or teach men. Then he goes into the qualifications of elders. Now, talk about three passages of scripture that are difficult. Man, these three passages are some of the most difficult in the entire Word of God, and they're countercultural. They go against what our culture says today and so we must decide is scripture true is it timeless or was scripture just dealing with cultural issues that have nothing to do with our day and time i was talking to a pastor two weeks ago about the series we're in q a and and he was asking about the topics, and I told him I'm going to wrap it up by, by answering the question, what does the Bible say about women pastors? He said, really? You're going to preach on that? <laughs> and, and I get it, because even us talking about it, I know some of you right now, and you're on pins and needles. I know it. You're, you're, the, the hair on your arm is standing up. Your blood pressure is getting higher because you're wondering, what is he going to say? Am I going to get upset with him or am I going to agree with him? But what you need to understand is this. If the Bible addresses an issue, then we must be willing to both discover what it says and then live by what it says. You see, we can't just gloss over a verse or a chapter because it's difficult. We have to decide what it says and We have to put into practice what it says. If we don't, then how can we cherry pick other passages of Scripture that we say are important to us? Well, I want to begin, before I give you some truths, by giving you two principles of Bible um, um, interpretation that I believe will help you tackle difficult passages. Here's the first thing. The most obvious interpretation is often correct. I want you to write that down the most often or the most obvious interpretation is often correct if what the passage is saying seems clear you just don't like what it says it probably is clear you just need to deal with your heart did you hear me if what the passage is saying seems clear then it probably is clear if you don't like it it's probably because you need to do something with Your heart. The second thing, we interpret Scripture in light of Scripture. Scripture does not contradict itself. Therefore, when a passage seems confusing, we dig deep. We look at other passages of Scripture to discover the truth, knowing that God isn't going to contradict himself. So with that said, I want to give you five truths about men and women in the church that we see in these three passages. Here's truth number one. Paul even says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 3 that this is the one thing that he wants them to know. In other words, it's foundational. And that is God has established a divine order that runs through all of creation. This is important. We see this throughout Scripture. God has established a divine order that runs throughout all of creation. That's what he's saying in 1 Corinthians 11 when he says the head of every man is Christ. The head of woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. You see, when we follow God's divine order, everything runs smoothly. When we don't follow God's divine order, then things become difficult. And here's the problem. You see, there are people that abuse God's divine order. There are people that abuse what the Word of God says. And because of that, they abuse people, they misuse people. But we cannot allow some people's abuse of a scripture and abuse of a principle to cause us to neglect what the Word clearly says. You see, the Word clearly says that in creation itself, God has an order established. Adrian Rogers, who was David Schroetz's pastor growing up, used to say, everything in life has a head. Anything with no head is dead. Anything with two heads is a freak. And that's true. Everything in life has a head. We see this in the marriage relationship. We see this in the relationship between parents and children. We see this at work we see this at government we see this even in the church now some of you may say I don't like that well don't get mad at me you need to take that up with God I'm not the one who said the head of every man is Christ the head of every woman is man the head of Christ is God I didn't say that the Apostle Paul said that under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God. Now you may say, is this saying that that woman is more important than man, woman is more valuable than man? Woman is more capable, intelligent than man? Absolutely not. It's not saying that. You see, the Bible makes it very clear that men and women are of equal value. They are of equal worth in God's eyes. I mean, look at this passage. The very last phrase says that God the Father is the head of God the son now jesus god the son is fully God. he's part of the triune godhead is the father god more valuable than the son more powerful than the son absolutely not but the bible teaches us that the son has willingly submitted to the father for the sake of the salvation of mankind and the good of creation you see head doesn't mean better than Because the Father and the Son are equal, yet they have different roles. The Apostle Paul said in Philippians 2, speaking of Jesus, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges and took the humble position of a servant. Now, you may say, well, I don't think that word head means anything to do with authority. But theologian Wayne Gruden looked up 2,336 uses of that word in the Greek language from the 8th century B.C. to the 4th century A.D. And what he discovered is every single time that that word head was used in the Greek language, it was used to describe authority. And so the first thing that you need to understand is God has in place a divine authority that runs through all creation. When we follow that order, things go well. When we don't follow that order, things go topsy-turvy. Here's the second truth. God created men and women differently to be different. That's what Paul was talking about in chapter 11 when he's dealing with head cuff rings and he's dealing with the length of hair. You see, God created us to be complementary of one another. men were created in such a way that they complement women and women were created in such a way that they complement men. Then he talks about long hair and the cutting of hair for both men and women. Again, what is he talking about? I want you to take a moment. if you're sitting beside someone of the opposite sex or near someone of the opposite sex, just look at them right now just. Find someone of the opposite sex, look at them. Look at them. We look different, don't we? We sound different, don't we? We smell different. You know why? We're different. God created us differently to be different. We're complementary of one another. God didn't create men to be women, and God didn't create women to be Men, my wife has said at times, I'm glad I'm not a man, and I'm glad she's not either, amen? <laughs> and I'm glad I'm not a woman. I mean, when I saw her give birth to our four kids, we would have had one, and that was it. <laughs> and now, at her age, she's having those Hot flashes. Those things are horrible. I I mean, just two nights ago, we were in bed getting ready to go to sleep, and I was a little too close to her. Not not doing anything. I was just too close to her. And and, and my hand touched her leg, and her leg felt normal. And then all of a sudden, her, her leg started heating up started sweating she's having one of those heat stroke things I'm going thank you Jesus I'm not a woman we're different we're made different and what Paul is saying is God created men to be men God created women to be women now what about that passage where it says men shouldn't have long hair well I don't know but here's what I believe I don't think that I don't think they had monitors at the doors of the church saying your hair's a little too long go cut it and then come in I don't think they were doing that I think the point that Paul was making is that men are to be men women are to be women women should never try to look and act like men it's gross don't do it Men should never try to be like women. Stop being a pansy. Man up. And that's what the Apostle Paul is talking about here. Men are created to be men. Women are created to be women. Third truth he gives us. Both men and women are gifted by God to serve in his church. And Paul makes that very clear in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. He says that women can pray in the church. Women can Prophesy in the church but when they do they must do what they must have their head covered and then he tells us later on in that passage that the head covering speaks of authority and so what he is saying there is that if a woman prays or prophesies in the church she must be under the proper spiritual authority And then as you move on to chapter 12 and chapter 14, Paul begins to talk about spiritual gifts. And he says, each and every one of us who are followers of Jesus have been given spiritual gifts, men and women. And God wants us to use those gifts, both men and women, in the church for his glory and and our good. And the Bible is filled with examples of that. In the Old Testament, Miriam was a prophetess. Deborah and Judges was a prophetess. In Luke chapter 2, we're told about Anna, who was a widow, who was, the Bible says, in the temple night and day, worshiping and praying and fasting before God. And she was a prophetess. The Bible tells us about Aquila and Priscilla. Priscilla was Aquila's wife, and together they discipled this young man in the ministry. His name was Apollos. And Apollos became one of the strongest preachers in the early church. We're told about Philip, who was a deacon in in the first church. And we're told that he had four daughters, and each of them had the gift of prophecy. And so what you need to understand, if you're a lady, whatever other passages may be saying— The Word of God is not saying that you do not exercise your spiritual gifts and use the abilities that God has given you for His glory. You use them. That's why God gave them to you. The fourth thing, our purpose is never to draw attention to ourselves, but rather to draw attention to God. You see, when we gather together to worship, our desire should never be to draw attention to ourselves. And that's what Paul is talking about in chapter 2 when he tells men to lift up holy hands so don't focus on lifting the hands what you need to focus on is the holy Paul was saying we lift up holy hands and we don't have anger and we don't have an argumentative device of spirit when we gather together to worship why because if we do it's going to draw attention to ourselves and not to the one we came to worship and then he tells women that they should be modest in their appearance now, it's not telling a woman that she can't wear a nice dress or she can't wear jewelry or she can't put makeup. I'm, I, I, for one, am glad that some of y'all put your makeup on this morning. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Just joking. Yeah, don't throw anything at me. Paul isn't saying that it, you can't wear makeup, you can't wear jewelry, you can't wear nice clothing, but he is addressing something. You see, some of us, Go get ready for church we put on our clothes we put on our our face we put on our other stuff and and we look in the mirror and we go well, I can't wear that and then we find something else we can I can't wear that and, and we go Ooh, wear that and the reason we focus on the ooh, I'm gonna wear that is because when we get there we think somebody's gonna go well that's a pretty dress where'd you get that dress I got it on the cell rack at TJ Maxx. You see, when we dress in such a way, when we fix ourselves up in such a way and come to church so that we will get noticed, that's telling us we have a problem. The problem is pride. And this isn't just something that women deal with when they put on their jewelry and their dresses and other things trying to draw attention to themselves is something that men do I mean we sing a song we preach a message we teach a class and we want the attaboys we want the that was really good man you bless my heart we want center stage we want the position we want the title and if we don't have the title then we get all bent out of shape and What the Apostle Paul was saying is when you come together to worship, it's not about you. It's not about you. Almost every Sunday before I stand up to preach, I pray, Lord, move me out of the way. Don't let anything I say, don't let anything I do, don't let the way I say something be a hindrance to what you want to do. Don't let it focus attention on me. And there are times, there are times when I'll I'll tell a joke or say something funny and, and I do it to kind of break the moment a little bit, but there are other times I do it to get a laugh and God just convicts me and says, it's not about you. It's not about you being funny and getting someone to laugh. You're here to draw attention to me. That's why we're here. So when we gather together to worship, it's not about you, it's not about me, it's not about us getting our attaboys and, man, I'm so gifted, so talented, so pretty, so whatever. It's about focusing our attention, all of it, on the one who is worthy of worship. Then the final thing. Though men and women are both gifted, only men are called to lead the church. Paul makes that crystal clear in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 11 and following, where he says that women are not permitted to exercise authority or to teach over men. The word teaching there has to do with that that preaching role of an elder, a pastor, a bishop. You see, biblically, there are three different words that are used interchangeably to to describe one role. One is bishop, episkopos, one is elder, presbyteros, and and, and one is is pastor or, or shepherd. And each of, those, each of those three are pointing to a person who is called to lead the church. And every time that that is spoken of in the Word of God, it always is spoken of as a man. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, Paul makes it clear that it's men who are called to be the elders of the church. You say, Rocky, is that because men are smarter? Absolutely not. More gifted No. You say, why? Well, Paul tells us in just a moment, and I'll go to it, but what you need to understand is this isn't a matter of our giftedness, our talent, our abilities, our intelligence, or anything like that. God has chosen to give us different roles for different reasons. And when we humbly follow those roles, whoever we are, God honors, God blesses. And Paul gives us the reason of this, and he, he tells us the reason that women are, men are to lead the church is not cultural. Actually, it goes all the way back to creation. And, and he tells us that God created man first, and then he created woman. And it was the woman who was deceived, not the man. Now, let me give you a little background. In Genesis chapter 1, we're told that God created man. Woman wasn't created yet. The beginning of Genesis chapter 2, we're told that man was given dominion over all of creation. Woman was not created yet. We are told that, that God gave Adam one command. You cannot eat the fruit from this tree. If you do, you'll die. Woman was not even created yet. And then God created woman. He created her to be Adam's counterpart, to be his helpmate, And together they would become one. We don't know how long they lived in paradise with it being paradise. The Bible doesn't tell us. But in Genesis chapter 3, we see a shift in the story. The serpent comes into the garden and begins a conversation with Eve. Not Adam, with Eve. And I want to remind you that Adam was given dominion over all of creation. That means Adam had authority over everything in creation, given to him by God. So that means whatever Adam said in creation, it was done. He was given dominion. So here was this serpent who embodied Satan, who was having this conversation with Eve, telling her that if you eat this fruit that God told your husband not to eat, that you won't die, you'll be just like God. And the Bible says that that sounded really good to Eve. She wanted to be God, and she ate. Where was Adam? He was right there, watching it all take place. At any moment, he could have rebuked that serpent and commanded that serpent to leave the garden, and the serpent would have had to leave because he had dominion over all of creation. But he didn't. He sat back and watched his wife be deceived by the enemy and that deception brought the fall of all mankind. you see men are called to lead in the home they're called to lead in the church not because of sin not because of the fall God established that order long before then and when we follow that we're getting back to what God has initially planned from the beginning when we don't we're falling into sin now I know we've talked about a lot of stuff so what are the applicational truths and takeaways let me give you three things first of all everyone regardless of your sex is called to minister in the family of God it doesn't matter whether you're a man or a woman doesn't matter your age you're called to minister so I would ask you right now are you ministering In the church, what's your ministry? How are you serving the body of Christ? How are you using the gifts that God has given you? Second truth, each and every one of us are called to live under authority. So we need to always pray asking God to give us a humble, submissive heart and spirit as we walk through life. And then third, we need to trust and obey God's word, even when it comes to those difficult, tough passages that are countercultural. Because we may not understand what God is saying, but if we walk in obedience to what He says, even when we don't completely or fully understand, God will honor that. So, what does that mean? How can a woman serve in the church? A woman can pray, a woman can sing, a woman can lead in worship, a woman can share testimonies, a a woman can do virtually anything and everything in the church other than be a pastor, an elder, a bishop. Those men who were called by God to lead the church. And as a church, our desire, regardless of what culture teaches, regardless of what modern pundits tell us, our desire is always to walk in the Word of God and teach you to walk in the Word of God because that's where God's blessings flow. I want you to bow your head. Close your eyes. And as we wrap this up this morning, here's what I want to say. If you're here and you're not a Christ follower, you're probably thinking, man, these people are crazy. All this nonsense. And I get it. I really do. Unless the Word of God is guiding and directing everything you do, everything I said sounds like nonsense. But I would challenge you to look deep within to ask yourself is there something missing in my life could what they are saying possibly be right and then realize that there is an all powerful God the creator of the heavens and the earth who made you in his image in his likeness who longs to have a relationship with you and he's calling you now and if you'll just simply humble yourself Acknowledge your need of Him. Surrender your life to Him. He'll change everything. And things that don't make sense begin to make more sense. If you're a Christ follower, find your ministry. Live with a submissive spirit regardless of who you are. And trust God's Word enough to live by it even when you don't understand. Father God, this is your time. And I ask you to have your way in each and every one of our lives.